Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another episode here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Our guest this week is Jonath Robles of JR Horse Training in Oregon. Now, JR started his horse career approximately eight years prior, and in the comparatively short amount of time that he's been in the industry, he has seen a very high level of success. Now, after listening to this episode, you will understand that JR's work ethic and character have been the foundation of his success. Throughout the episode, JR explains his upbringing, how his exposure to violence as a young child affected him in his college years and how he gave up an established career in patient advocacy to commit to horsemanship full-time. Now, should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. I hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is Jonath Robles. Jonath, how the heck are you doing this morning? I'm doing so good, man. Living the dream. Good, good, good. Before we get too deep into anything, I just want to take a second on behalf of everybody here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. And thank you very, very much for setting some time aside for us and sharing your testimony and providing a little insight today for us. I appreciate it. Just a big thank you to you guys for for asking me to be a part of this show. I've been looking forward to it for a while now. So excited to to talk to you guys. Yes, sir. We're definitely going to have some fun today. So typically what I like to do is I like to start out with guests and and just kind of get familiar with what's been going on around the barn. I know you run JR Horse Training up there in Oregon. Correct. I know you got a new Andalusian thing, correct? Yeah, he's an Andalusian gelding. The last couple of weeks have just been pretty hectic with the wintertime coming up. I was hoping to kind of get down on numbers. Um, I was trying to get to maybe six or seven full-time horses and kind of take a little bit of a break uh, from the horses in my barn and just get some time to myself for for the holidays. But me being me, of course, I took on more. So I have 10 full time right now. Oh, geez. So I ended up doing that. I I told my assistants that we were going to do six, maybe seven. So they were looking forward to not having so many horses to tack up and get ready. And um, I just kept saying yes to, to more people. And everybody, of course, is, you know, it's it's an emergency and the horse needs to come into you now. So I I keep saying yes, and but it's it's good. I mean, obviously, staying busy is good. And right now, I have uh, a waiting list till probably April. Uh, oh, good. April, good. Yeah, April, May. So even even then, even taking ten horses full time and having clinics throughout the throughout the year, I still stay pretty busy. So last couple of weeks have just kind of been that way, where it was like, okay, I'm gonna take a little bit of a break, but you know, just kidding, I'm gonna end yeah. up doing ten ten full time. Life happens, right? And it's it, yeah. it is. I mean. Winter generally slows down for the horse industry, right? Wet weather and the poor weather and, you know, all the finals and associations kind of come to an end as the year comes to a close. So typically it is the slower season, but to have uh, twice the workload, I guess you could say, is is a blessing nonetheless. Yeah, it's an incredible blessing. Uh, You know, at times I find myself being like, I'm tired and, you know, kind of start to maybe kind of complain a little bit, but I'm like, nope, I can't complain. This is what I wanted. Yeah, this is exactly what you asked for, right? Yeah, exactly. And as we go through the story, we'll definitely get into more of your program and what it's all about. But usually how I like to segue or start people's stories is for you to just kind of introduce yourself, you know, how you got your start into horses, kind of a little bit about your upbringing. We'll just see where the conversation goes from there. My name is Jonas, and and I'm the owner of JR Horse Training. And 
for me growing up, I, I was never, ever into horses, uh, horses were, weren't even a thought, <laughs> there weren't even a thought in my, in my future plan. And, uh, growing up, I played sports my whole life. And I mean, I always, I, you know, I thought horses were, were cool and all, but it just was never something that I was going to ever do. And so I, I grew up in Woodburn, Oregon, and uh, went to high school there and uh, then graduated and went to college at the University of Oregon in 2004. And I was there for about four and a half years, graduated. And uh, when I graduated, I ended up getting a, a pretty cool job. I was working uh, for OHSU and some of the legacy hospitals, and I was a bilingual patient advocate. So I was working with patients and doctors and doing a lot of translating because there, there, there seemed to be a lot of... Uh, miscommunication between uh, in the medical field between patient and doctor. And, um, so I, I thought I, I, I love helping people. So to me, that was definitely a good thing for me to, to start doing. So I was doing that. And I, I had my, my own office. I was always in a suit and tie and 401k. I had full benefits. It was, it was a sweet job, but I was, I was carrying a lot of stress from just working throughout the day. And I met, uh, I met a girl I met I met a girl who um, I was really attracted to, and her and I we hit it off. And she was in the, into horses. And one day she was like, "Well, you know, I got to wake up early in the morning, and I got to go uh, work horses." And I was like, "Oh, of course, you know, I'll go with you." And she was like, "Oh, do you know anything about horses?" And I, of course, I said yes. I didn't know anything <laughs> else. <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, sure. here we like, go." I, yeah. So I was like, "Cool." So I'll, I'll be there at six in the morning. And you know, I didn't own a pair of, a pair of boots. I remember I. I like grabbed the dirtiest Nikes I could find and I put them on and I showed up to her barn and the barn was, it was a pretty nice barn and she was working uh, for uh, a lady that owned a bunch of horses. And now I know that they were a bunch of uh, Arabian horses. So she opened up one of the stall doors uh, for the barn door. She opened up the barn and she said, okay, I'm going to let the horses in, but they know which stall to go into. I said, all right, cool. So she, she opened up the, the barn door and you know, 14, 15 horses start just, just running Barreling into in the for barn. Breakfast, yeah. yeah. Oh man. So I, I got scared. I just, I just kept thinking I, I've seen Western old Western movies. I've seen national geographic where just a big stampede of animals are coming. So I, I just got, I got so scared and I legitimately, I, I ran and I, I was clinging on to the stall door and I was up off the ground. Like I was up off oh, the I ground. Oh, I love it. I love it. And she looked at me and I remember that face she gave me. She was just kind of like, she could tell, like, obviously I was lying, but I knew anything about horses. And she put her hands up and they all kind of went back into the stall that they were supposed to go into. And she looked at me and she was like, you don't know anything about horses, do you? So I'm climbing off the wall and I was like, no. And she's like, well, do you want to learn? I said, yeah. She was cold. I said, do you want to learn? I said, yeah. So she handed me a pick and she was like, well, let's start here. So we started cleaning stalls. But even that for me, even cleaning stalls that day, I remember that I was like, I was just so enthused by it. And I was so excited by it. I didn't, I didn't know what I was getting myself That's into. That's awesome. Yeah, but I knew it was something that I wanted to do. And that was, I was like 24, 25 years old at the time. I'm 33 now. So uh, I, I didn't know what a, a mare was. I didn't know what a gelding was. I didn't know what a filly was. And so she had to explain to me what everything was because she'd start using terminology that I had no idea what she was talking about. And so she had to explain to me what everything was and um, she introduced me to natural horsemanship. And so I, I, I just, I got hooked. I was so hooked by it. And then I, I loved, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what, I didn't know what it was, but I just, I wanted more of it. 
And um, I ended up getting a, a horse for free from a lady on Craigslist that I was looking to rehome a horse. And I said, um, I said, yeah, I, I'll take him. And she said he was a gelding. So I believed her. And that was my introduction to the horse world. She said he was a gelding and he was a coming two-year-old. And so, so good old, I took, good old horse trading, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I took him in. I'm like, cool, he's a gelding. So I put him out to pasture with some of the horses at the barn that I decided to be at. Uh, like a couple of days later, uh, the barn owner was like, you need to get your horse out of the paddock and out of the pasture. And I was like, why? And she pointed and that horse is over mounting some of the mares. And I was like, oh, crap. So, he, good. <laughs> so it was it was a stud, obviously. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and so I, 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 I started working with them. And I think maybe like a month, month and a half later, some guy that was at the barn was like, hey, you're doing a really good job with that horse. Would you sell him? And I was like, well, I don't know. And I was kind of attached because he was like, my, he was my first horse. So I was yeah. like, I don't know. And the guy was like, I'll give you 2000 bucks for him. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, here you Sold. go. Here like, you go. Sold. And I was like, wow, that was pretty easy. So I figured like, oh, I could, you know, get a horse in relatively inexpensive or for free. And that was around 2009, 2010, more, I think more around 2010, where the economy was still kind of down. So a lot of people were just getting rid of horses. So I, I took advantage of that situation. And I did. I took horses in that were relatively expensive and I put a couple months on them and um, I'd advertise them. And that's very, very slowly how I started kind of getting my foot in the door. People kind of getting to know my name because they're like, oh, that guy, you know, sells horses that are decent and mm -hmm. at that time again i didn't know what i was doing i just knew what i was watching uh, when i was watching clinton anderson or you know uh, just other different trainers that i was watching on youtube or their dvds and stuff and it, like i said uh, it was it was it was surreal because i was able to work with a 1200 pound animal and it was doing what i was asking it to do with without a fuss and uh, at the beginning i met people that at that time made it seem like they knew everything about horses so of oh, course yes. i listened yeah so i listened to them and they knew that i didn't know anything so they i feel like they kind of took advantage of that too and very slowly i started to realize that the people that were saying the most knew the least which and is that, pretty that, typical right it, exactly yeah it's it now now when i go somewhere and the first person that starts talking about stuff i kind of i still listen um but i, I kind of know where that's coming from so i, I just kind of let them talk and let them say what they need to say i'm never never rude. I'm never, I'm never uh, inconsiderate for what people are trying to do. And sometimes there, you know, there's other things that are going on in their life and that's why they do what they do. But so, yeah, I, I learned a lot of bad habits um, at the beginning and some stuff that I'm even embarrassed to talk about. I, I, my, the girl that I was trying to impress, I would be like, Hey, look what I learned today. And I'd show her and she'd be like, what are you doing? That's like, no, that's so like, that's unfair to the horse for you. To what do you mean? That's okay. Right. <laughs> so to me, you know, having her there guiding me through that was was pretty dang cool and uh she owned um a three-year-old polish arabian stud he was a beautiful horse and i i got on him bareback a few times and um, i worked with him quite a bit and i learned a lot from that horse and i thought he was uh, he was a stud so at that time i thought he was just out of control and you know but looking back now i'm just like man that horse would have been in my program now that horse would have been so like super easy to, to work with just because of all the things I've learned, all the, all the information that I've gathered, the good and the bad. So I, I did that for a little bit. I, I quit my job at the hospital because I was sitting in my office and all I could think about was being outside with the horses. Like I just was looking out my window and I could just, my heart wasn't in it. And I told my mom, I said, Hey, uh, my mom raised us, my, my brother, my sister and I, and as a single mom. So 
you know, anything that I, any sort of big decision in my life, of course, um, you know, I love my mom to death. And so I ran it by her and I was like, Hey mom, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to work with horses. And of course, you know, any typical mom that, you know, that raised their kid to go through, you know, through college yeah, and college educated and career yeah. job and established. Yeah. And she was like, what are you doing? And so of course I was like, mom, this is what I want to do. And this makes me really happy. And so, uh, she was, she was worried for me, but of course, you know, you know she's incredibly supportive. And so I left the job with with no plan and i would go on facebook or on craigslist and people would be looking for someone to work with their horses so i would travel uh, all the way up into washington all over oregon and at that time i was charging like 25 bucks an hour to work with people's horses and which was it would barely cover gas but yeah exactly me, that's to, a long yeah, way yeah it, it was and so I'd get there and I'd work with the horses and I think people felt bad for me. So people would make me sandwiches during, you know, while I was working their horses and bring me out some water and stuff. And some of these horses, some of those horses were, were pretty rank. And uh, again, those horses taught me a lot. And so slowly, slowly, I, I, I started working more people's horses. And, but of course, financially, whether in the horse world or any other type of career, when you're starting out, it's not the easiest thing. And I remember um, applying for, a job that was looking for a full-time trainer. I, I applied for it, but I never heard back. And so I was struggling financially. And there's this, uh, <laughs> there's this place, uh, downtown Portland that you take clothes that you don't want and they give you money for it. And my brother and I, I remember my brother was with me that day and we went and I, I took like probably about four or five garbage bags full of clothing to just to get some money. And I was so down and I was, and I was thinking like, you know what, maybe, maybe horses, it wasn't, maybe it wasn't the best decision and maybe I should just go back and get my job back. And I remember that day, uh, they gave me, I think like $20 for all my clothes. And, uh, I ended up getting a phone call from, from the people that I had applied for the full-time position. And they're like, Hey, we looked over, you know, your, your resume and we called your references. Cause at that point I had already met quite a few people in the horse world that would vouch for me and what I, how, what I was doing with horses. And so I said, yeah, and I'm super interested. And they said, can you come out today? And I said, yep, I'll be right there. And yeah. Let me finish so dropping I, off these clothes. I'll be right out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I showed up and we were really, really, really nice facility. And there were two horses there on the whole property. And I looked at the lady and I was like, I'm confused. This is a full-time training position, but they're only two horses here like you know is there something that i'm missing and the lady was like well actually we wanted to see if you wanted to lease the whole facility and manage the facility oh, and Jesus. I was like, oh yeah so i was like yeah sure like of course i wasn't expecting that but um i signed uh, uh, a contract but they were it was owned by like a property management company so they ran the facility like an apartment complex yeah, i was gonna was, say that's gonna yeah. be tough because it's a whole yeah. different dichotomy Yep. It was, it was tough. And I, but at that point I was like, I don't care what I have to do, what hoops I have to jump through. I'm, I'm going to take this opportunity. And so I signed like a 20 page contract and then we filled everything out and I started getting people to board their horses and training. And I remember I was just, I was so happy that I had this opportunity. And at one point I think uh, boarding horses and training horses, I was up to like maybe 20 horses. I was, I was, I remember long, long days. I would show up in the morning, I would feed horses, I would clean stalls, and then I would train horses, and then I would feed again before I left. Like, I was doing everything for boarding horses and for training horses all by myself, and, but I wanted it so bad, and I still want it just as bad, and so I, I kept doing that. I did that for probably about a year and a half. Then I, I, I started getting more people wanting to come into the program that I had to lease a different facility, 
So um, there was a, a facility probably 10 miles down the road that had probably, I think almost like 40 stalls and it had tons of acreage. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. So I went over and, and, and talked to the guy and he said, yep, I'd love to have you. And so I moved in. It was, it, it was definitely a fixer upper. So I would, I, I put a lot of, a lot of work into it. I, I was there, I was there probably for about a good three years, uh, three and a half years, kept building my name. And that's probably around the time where I started traveling to do a lot of these cold starting competitions around the country. And I was just, when I was competing, I was just doing a lot of, a lot of techniques and methods that I was just, that I had been doing a lot of trial and error stuff. I went and I, and it was 2016, I started traveling and doing it. And um, I did pretty well for myself and I ended up finishing the year. I was number four in the nation and I qualified for the national finals, which was held at uh, the NFR in Vegas. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I, I qualified. I went. They were filming a reality show for the eight of us that qualified. So that was pretty cool. And just to be there, like it was it was un, it was unreal. It was unreal. And when they were filming the reality show, everybody was they were asking everybody like, hey, um, did you know how did you guys start and you know what how you know just like tell us your story on on camera so everybody was talking about their story and of course they came to me and at that point i'd been in the horses maybe i don't know was six seven years six and a half seven years and so everybody was like oh i grew up on a ranch i grew up bronc riding i grew up bull riding you know my family's owned horses forever i grew up on the back of a horse and they get to me and i was like well <laughs> I translated I in a hospital <laughs> and my first gelding actually was intact. <laughs> <laughs> they they could not believe it. Everybody thought I was lying. And, uh, it was, you know, everybody was just cracking up. And um, so I think people kind of looked at me kind of different when they knew that story. And I had always been a little bit hesitant and, and just reserved about my story because I felt that if I was honest with people about that, I only had only been in the horses two, three years at that point that nobody would ever send me a horse. Yeah. Yeah, and it's tough, so, right? So I, it, it, right. So I had to tell people that I had been in this longer, um, and people believed it because I was I was a, a decent enough hand that it looked like I had been around horses my whole life. So, and you know, leading up to Vegas, I had never shown before. I had never I had never done any sort of showing before besides the the, the cold starting stuff. So to me, to be in that sort of environment was was pretty unreal. It was, it was an eye opener. And so, uh, you know, the first day comes around and we're competing. And so these cold starting competitions, they give us three hours with the horse that's never been started before. They're ha barely halter broke. So they give us three hours. And at the end of these three hours, we have to get these horses to walk, trot, canter, both directions on the correct lead. We have to have them go over poles, weave around poles, go over a tarp. We have to be able to rope off their back. We have to be able to drag a log behind behind them pick up all four feet all in three hours. It's, 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 it's pretty absolutely unreal. incredible when you really start yeah. to understand the horse. I mean, yeah, it was, it's amazing. It was, they it can was, take all that in, in such a short amount of time. And, and that, that alone, I get asked that question exactly what you're, what you're talking about, where people would ask me like, isn't it too much for the horse? And I, I was honest with people where I would say there were some trainers that you would see their horse after maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And those horses were just so frazzled. And just, they, they mm -hmm. were, it was just, it was just push, 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 push. Um, and they would never actually let the horse uh, just to, to, to just really soak things up and, and, and really process what they're being taught. I was fortunate enough that the little that I knew at the time, my horses were working well and I was able to go through every 
every competition and my horse was successful and I, I won quite a few competitions and those were actually the first belt buckles I had ever won. So to me, when I would they'd give me the big, beautiful belt buckle, I would be like, man, like I was just, I, I, would, I would be, yeah, it yeah. was, it was cool because up to that point, it was me saying that I was, you know, that I was this or that I was that, but for judges or for, you know, for the public to be like, dang, like you're good enough to, to win this competition enough to win a buckle. That's where I was like getting a bit more reassurance uh, uh, to, to say, Hey, you know what you're doing is, is accurate. So made to Vegas after the first day. I was in second place. I was behind a point for, from the guy in first place. And uh, the second day, I think I was behind by another point. So I was pretty close the whole competition. And then by the end of the, the competition, I ended up third overall in the nation out of, I think there were like a hundred and something trainers at the start of the year and qualified and ended up third in the nation. I ended up second overall in points for the whole year. So I won these really nice spurs while we were there. And it was after that, that the sponsorship started coming through because before then I think I had I had reached out to one sponsor uh team equine and I reached out to them but before Vegas and I was like hey I made it to Vegas I'll, I'll take one of your saddle pads and you know it'll be on the reality show so you'll get the publicity you'll get the marketing and uh, the owner at team equine Justin Odell he was yeah man you know I, I I love what you stand for and so he was he was incredibly supportive and so he took me on right before Vegas and and after Vegas like I, I didn't I've since Vegas I haven't had to contact I've been fortunate enough that I haven't had to contact any sponsor every sponsor I've gotten since then has been because they've reached out to me because of what I've been doing and what, I, what I've accomplished so that was that was pretty neat and then after Vegas I got this opportunity there was a, a dressage trainer in Washington. Uh, she's very, very well known. She's very successful. And she said, hey, I have about 60 colts that need to be started. Would you want the gig? And I was like, well, you know, I, I have my own business going. So to me, to leave everything, it just doesn't make any sense. And she's like, well, this is how much I'll pay you. And I was like, well, let me get this stuff ready. Yeah, hold on one second. Up. Let me pack the truck. <laughs> <laughs> so that's basically what happened 30 days later. I, I, I moved my whole program to that facility. So I was still able to train out of that facility and have my program there. But we started, I think it was like 60 Colts in a matter of 10 months. Um, what a yeah, daunting so task. Yeah. And, and, you know, and these, and that's, this was another eye opener for me because in my mind, some of the horses that I had gotten in uh, leading up to that point, it, it was a variety of horses, but she, she said, you know, this is going to be different because these are two and three year olds that are 16, two, 16, three, and they're bred to move. They're bred to be forward. They're big horses. They're hot. So your techniques that you've been using so far might not work as well with these horses and i was like oh yeah whatever like yeah. sure watch this so yeah so i showed up and sure like the first four or five horses i i was able to cruise through them and then we got a couple that were kind of tough and uh, i it, it was very humbling for sure because i had just gotten back from vegas and i was on cloud nine that, <laughs> that i was number three in the nation and uh just, you know, putting out I, a huge bill to have you come over and exactly and but you know slowly i i realized that i had to change my techniques up if not every horse is the same and you know i i wasn't able to do the same things with these horses that i was able to do with other horses that i was getting in and i learned i learned so much i owe a lot because uh, some of the stuff that i learned in that program wh while being in that program i still use you know a year and a half two years later i still use in my program now and it's a lot of it's really dressage based and it's it's really cool because now 
when people ask me like, you know, tell me a little bit more about your program. And, you know, I'm always talking about how I, I fuse together a lot of the dressage foundation and a lot of the reigning foundation and a little bit of my own stuff. And I put that together. So, um, so I had that opportunity there. And I, like I said, I went, I was there for about 10, 11 months and uh, met a lot of people when I was there. A lot of, a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of people that have a lot of money in the dressage world. So I, I got to meet a whole different breed of horse people while I was there. And I remember one day, if you know if the ladies end up listening to this podcast i think they'll get a kick out of it i remember one day i was sitting at one of their one of the barns there these ladies owned frisians and andalusians and so i remember sitting there i'm in my cowboy stuff and my boots and my spurs and i remember sitting there and all these ladies are riding their their frisians and uh, they're getting ready for one of the expos coming up and, and I'm sitting there and they have like classical music playing and they're have, they have champagne and they're drinking champagne and I'm sitting there and these horses are, you know, they're worth quite a bit of money. And I'm thinking, you know, what, at that point, seven years ago, eight years ago, I was, you know, falling off these horses and, and not knowing what I was doing. And now fast forward, now I'm sitting here with these ladies and these really expensive horses. And it was just, it was a very surreal moment for me. I got to realize that, man, like, in such a short amount of time, I've been able to to build my name and my my company, and now I'm here with these really cool people, and I get to work with these awesome horses, and that was a really cool moment for me. And it was it was a very small moment where I was like, man, like okay, I, I've I've kind of made it. Like I'm kind I've of kind doing of it, it, yeah, yeah. So it was it was pretty cool. And I, I think about a month later, I did uh, the Washington Horse Expo. I did a big demo with the dressage trainer, and I remember afterwards, this little girl came up to me and because I was one of the headlining uh, clinicians for that, for the expo. And this little girl came up to me and asked me for an autograph. And I about started crying. Like I just about bawled because I was like, man, this is, this is cool. So I, I signed her magazine because I was in, in the magazine. So um, that was a cool moment for me. And little things like that, that like I, I still hold so close to my heart because, you know, the, the, those things for me, are just big, are, are just big, not, you know, the belt buckles are cool. The prize money's cool, but little moments like that, you know, they're priceless to me. They're priceless. And that's the impressive thing about, you know, and going through your story is that it's a long way from dropping off bags full of clothes to try to get some lunch <laughs> money, you know, in all seriousness, you know, I'm not yeah, trying to poke fun yeah, at it. Yeah. People yeah. don't get to see uh, Jonath of then, right? Now they get to no. see him as a headlining clinician and trainer and traveling yeah. and these high-end dressage horses. And, and I think that's what makes... The the Jonas dropping off bags of clothes is what makes the current moment so much sweeter. Yeah. My brother lives down in Sacramento and he was up here a week ago and he saw the facility that I'm at now and, you know, my truck and my trailer and all these things. And he looks at me and he's like, dude, he's like, do you remember when we were taking the bag yeah. of clothes? How incredible. And I was like, yeah, man, like I can't, like there's no way I would ever forget yeah, that. You can't forget that day. Uh, no, no. And it was, it's, it's such a, it's such a, just it's so vivid like it just it, I will, i'll never forget that moment and my brother's been such a big supporter in what i've done and he's just like i can't believe you know in such a short amount of time that you've done this and people that knew me back when i first started that still i i keep in contact with some people still and it's it's been pretty cool that they they say the same thing like i can't believe that you know you're doing this now and there's also the other side of people that would would talk pretty bad about me at the beginning was like oh this guy doesn't know anything He's never going to amount to nothing. And I knew that they were saying that about me. And, you know, now when they see me at a big event or an expo, 
hey, I always knew yeah, that you were exactly. going to make it. Exactly. I knew that you were going to be big. And I always believed in you. And they're always, you know, giving me hugs and stuff. And I give, I'll give them a hug back because I'm not, I'm not rude about it. But in the back of my mind, you know, I know like, you know, you were, you were talking so much stuff about me and now, you know, your, your tone change. But if, but if, you know, if I, if I'm able to have people change their mindset about me, I'm okay with that. Like if they, if they see me now and they're like, you know what? Cause I did, you know, obviously I didn't know anything back then. I was still, I was starting out, but now, you know, it's even now, obviously I know a, a fraction of what there is to know. And I think we're always, all of us, we're all, that's what we're trying to achieve is just better horsemanship. So I think, you know, when people give me that compliment, like, man, you've come so far, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. And uh, my buddies that know me from, from college and from high school, from sports, I was wearing Nikes and I had my, my, my hoodies and I yeah. had, uh, I had you know, I was geared up and I had my two little diamond studs in, you know, I was, I was a cool dude. Like I, I thought I was a cool dude and playing basketball and stuff. And, you know, my buddies are like, what happened? You're wearing boots and a cowboy hat and a belt buckle. Like what happened? And so it's, it's pretty funny. So, yeah. So I, I, I was working with that lady, the dressage lady for a while and, I got this really cool opportunity and I was driving for the last like five years. I was driving about an hour to wherever I was at. And, but I it was, it was a sacrifice that I was willing to make because again, I, I want it so bad. Yeah. You got to cut so, your teeth somewhere. Yeah. I would drive the hour and work horses all day and then drive the hour back after being there 10 hours. So it was like 12, 13 hour day for me. And recently, exactly, actually exactly a year ago, um, I got this opportunity at a facility in, in Sherwood. It's called Parker Stables. And that's where I'm at now. They asked me to be the main trainer at the at the facility, and it's about a mile and a half away from where I live now. So it was like it was just super convenient. convenient what an awesome blessing! Yeah, now you know I, I get to wake up, roll out of bed, and drive less than ten minutes to to go to the barn. It, it, it's pretty cool, and the people here at the facility are so so good. It's nice because again, now I don't have to feed, I don't have to clean, I don't have to do any of that. I just show up with my assistants and we work horses and then I get to leave relatively early. And it's kind of nice being able to leave for a clinic or a show for three, four days and not have to worry that. Who's feeding mouths. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been, it's been a, a huge blessing, you know, like, like we were talking about, it's, it's those, those moments, that, the moments that were kind of a, a learning experience for me that were so important to be able to really genuinely and sincerely appreciate where I'm at now a lot of people and I've had people they don't know my story some people don't know my story and people are like oh and they see what I post on on uh, on social media and they're like oh you you know you, you probably got this handed down to you from your dad or this is your family business so of course and I'm like no actually yeah you're like family- seven years ago I was suited and booted <laughs> in the hospital I didn't know the first thing about a horse and that's what's funny you know people don't know that about me but you know for me when I, I started telling this story probably about two years ago, I remember I was, I was giving a presentation for some wild Mustangs and I, I was like, you know what? I think it's time. And I decided to tell everybody my story. And I remember afterwards people came up to me and they're like, you know what? I, your story is so inspiring because in people, you know, 40, 50, 60 year old people would come up to me and they say, you know, I started late in life with horses and, you know, I thought there wasn't, you know, there wasn't hope for me, but now, you know, listening to your story, I feel like there is hope. And, so to me, that's so cool when I get that feedback where I'm inspiring people to, to, to continue and to do better. That's why I was like, you know what, I my, my story is, is definitely something, if I could help somebody, I'm more than happy to, 
to share my story, all the funny stuff, all the sad stuff, all the bad stuff. And of course, all the, all the good stuff. So, um, it's all the pages in between, right? Yeah. All the, all the pages in between. And so now I get to travel almost full time throughout the year. I do at least, at least one clinic a month, possibly two. And I get to travel around the U S giving clinics and and then I also have full-time courses in my program. So then it was this last year, I started competing in the reined cow horse events about a year and a half ago. Um, and that was also something very new for me. Um, and then this year it was, I, I set goals for myself probably the year before. So I've already set my goals for 2019 and in, in, in 2017, I was setting goals to, to show more in the rain cow horse events. And there's a, an organization called Western State Stock Horses, the Western State Stock Horse, and they do shows throughout the year. And um, I remember getting the phone call earlier this year and I got asked to be one of the head clinicians for the show. Um, and I, I was like, are you, are you sure you guys got the right number? Like, are you like, <laughs> and, and they were like, no, like we, we really do want you and you know, whatever the circumstances were that led up to them asking me, it was, a, a, again, a blessing. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I, I'd love to do it. So I, I did three three shows this year. I was, I was one of the head clinicians for their clinics. Um, and that, to me, was just incredible to be there and to, to work with that many people. And again, I've been told that a lot of my techniques aren't very traditional. Like a lot, of, it's very different than what other people are used to seeing. So when I'm able to share pe- with people what I do and it works for them. Um, and they're like, Oh, I've never, like, I've never had anybody teach me that way, but it works. You know, I always tell people, I don't care what you're doing as long as you're fair to the horse, whatever works for your horse, as long as it works and you're fair, keep using it. Like there's no right or wrong. It's, it's what's best for your horse and what you feel comfortable using. And I, I feel like too many people get stuck in their own ways and their own methods that they don't ever really want to open up and venture out. And that for me has been so big in my program. There's so much variety in my program. I get Western pleasure horses, uh, mountain trail horses. I get dressage horses. I get barrel horses, reining horses, cow horses, a little bit of everything. And I feel like that's helped me become a more well-rounded uh, horseman is, is been getting all these different types of horses and being able to ride every single one of them uh, accordingly to their discipline. So that to me is is what I pride myself in but my my heart my heart is with the reining and the reining cow horses. I, that's what I love. Like I I get on a reining horse and I just feel like I'm on cloud nine. I, I you know I feel like I could do anything. So that's, that's incredible. That's, yeah, that's more the direction I definitely see myself going. Is is the rain cow horse stuff for just even just 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 the reining. So yeah, and that's 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 where I'm at now. Is is all that. all that stuff and it is an absolute incredible story man and especially you talk about such a short compact timeline in the grand scheme of things i mean it's incredible that you've gone from trying to figure out what a gelding and a stallion was and wondering why your gelding (laughs) is trying to mount everything in the pasture to to a headlining clinician you know just seven years later but i think it's a huge testament to to an individual's drive and motivation and truly being humble and honest with where you're at because i think back and there's a lot of points in your story that kind of parallel my journey. You know, I got back into horses almost the same time frame, mm-hmm. about five, seven years ago, six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. We all have those bad habits in the beginning, right? We all yeah. we all get bad information and this is no fault yep. to the people that we're dealing with. But I think a lot of people in, in working with horses, they just, and I call it the old, like traditional cowboy way, right? Yeah, You do yep. things because that's what the generation before you said to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I started out on that path. And I very soon realized that 
for me, just something was not clicking, right? Yeah. It was just, I wasn't seeing the results I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Things were taking a lot longer. Uh, yep. So that's when I started to step out and I said, all right, there's got to be a better answer to this. We got mm-hmm. we got to figure out another way to do this. Yep. And now as you start to travel your journey down horsemanship and you find, you know, you talk about kind of quote unquote non-traditional methods that you're using. Yeah. I mean, that's that should be the evolution of horsemanship, right? Exactly. Exactly. The generation before you found a very successful way. You learned that successful way and then you kind of tweak and twinge it a little bit to try mm-hmm. to make it a little bit better. And and this is one of my biggest driving factors in my pursuit of horsemanship is that I think we owe the generations previous, right, to learn as much as we absolutely can from them, every single stitch oh, yeah. of information we can take from them. Yeah. But it's also our responsibility to build and grow and develop that, you know, and that's yeah. been a lot of the driving force for this podcast. And in no way, shape or form will I ever claim to be an expert in horses. There's just way mm-hmm. too much to it, right? Exactly. Exactly. But I do feel obligated to learn as much as I can and help try to disseminate these successful paths. And it's for the horse. It ain't for me. I could care less about fame, fortune, recognition, if anybody even knew my name. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people oversee the grace of the horse and they take advantage of it. Oh, yeah. And, And like you said, right, as long as you're doing right by the horse... The method doesn't necessarily matter, right? As long as you're right, getting to exactly. a successful resolution. There, there's a million yeah. ways to skin a cat as the old adage goes. So yep. I think it's incredible, man. Your your personal evolution, you know, you're building and developing and growing on generations past, uh, you know, your kind of humble beginnings and still taking that approach and not losing sight of who you are. Because very many, I've seen it. I used to play baseball before I did the horse stuff, right? You see one guy okay. gets a little bit of recognition, right? Has a little bit of <laughs> yep. success, right? Comes up with that big mm-hmm. clutch hit. And now all of a sudden he thinks he's Hall of Fame bound. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, you ain't the furthest thing from it, you know? Yeah. It, it's truly staying humble in who you are, staying hungry in your approach and your education. And that's where that's where the success starts to grow. And, and I think that's the reason you're in the place you are. Yeah, I, I 150% agree with you with all of that. And for me, my, one, of my, one of my driving forces to remain who I am is, is my mom. She, she tells me every day, like, you know, I don't care what you've done or what you, how much money you've won. I don't care what, I don't care what success you have in your life. As long as you stay the same person, as long as you stay my son in, you know, the same person that I raised, she said that to me, I I will feel like I've been a a successful mom. Like I've, I've done well. If you stay the same man that I knew that I, you know, that I raised. And um, so, you know, that always, I can always hear that in my head, you know, when, when stuff happens and people are like, oh man, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's cool. But I, I just, to me, staying that type of person is something I don't ever want to change. I, I, I think one of the things that I get from people is uh, my, me being genuine in, you know, sometimes people might think that it's fake, but for me, like I just, I, I am who I am. I'm, I'm pretty laid back. It takes quite a bit for me to get worked up about anything. So, so for me, when people are dealing with something, I I tend to get a lot of people relying on me for advice, but with with just in life in general, fighting in you. Um, Exactly. And to me, that means a lot when people want to, you know, when the people trust you and want to tell you about their life. And, but for me, there's also a couple other driving forces in my life uh, within, in horsemanship and I don't really, this part I never really talk about, which it'll be kind of interesting to talk talk to you about and, you know, to people listening uh, to listen to this part. But for me in college, I was that guy that maybe people didn't like very much because I was partying every weekend and 
Um, I, I think you're getting... being conservative in your description of yourself based on your tone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it just it was yeah. I, I just I was a, I was I was a very I was a very different person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was getting in fights, physical altercations every single weekend, and it got to the point where my buddies were like, "Dude, we don't even want to go out with you anymore because all you're doing when you go out is." you're just looking to fight somebody and you know, it, it just, it was, it was it's not worth the headache was, anymore. No. Yeah. It was, it was, it was like that for throughout my whole college career. It was, it was crazy. And it was, for me, it was, it was weird for me to, to, to go that direction because in high school I was never like that. I was always the one that was joking about stuff and people could, you know, joke around with me and I could joke back. And, but I, I realized later in life where it all, where it all was coming from. Um, this is more of a personal story that a lot of people don't know about me, but when I was, uh, when I was 13, 13 coming 14, I saw my, my stepdad physically abuse my, my mom. And I was, I was a small, I'm still, I'm not a very big guy, but, uh, I was even smaller back then. I remember seeing him hit my mom and I, I remember trying to protect her physically trying to get him away. And I remember he just kind of pushed me off to the side and kind of gave me a look like, you know, what are you like, what are you going to yeah, do don't about even it? Try it, buddy? Yeah. And, and for me that, that just, that, that stuck. And I didn't know how much it was, it stuck, but I, I buried it just deep, very, very deep. And then, so my, my mom and him, obviously they, they, they split up, they divorced. And when I went to college, the town that I grew up in, in Woodburn was predominantly Hispanic. It was like 85 to 90% Hispanic population. And so when I went to college, the university of Oregon at that time, out of the 20,000 students that were there, only 400 were Hispanic or Latino. Oh, wow. um, so when I went there, it was, it was a whole different. Yeah. A little bit of a culture change. Yeah, it was, it was a culture change. And I remember the first week that I was there in the dorms, there was this guy that I didn't know him obviously. And it was, it was orientation week. So everybody had their, their dorm room open so that everybody could talk to each other. And this guy walks in and he, he remind I don't know, he just kind of reminded me of like, kind of like your all-american guy he just kind of walked in and he he started making my mom had sacrificed to buy me a a desktop for for a college and at that that time everybody had laptops so he walked into my room and started making fun of my desktop and started making fun of my family and like he didn't know me but he was like oh your your, you know your family couldn't afford to get you a laptop like out of nowhere so I, i i don't know what it was at that time i didn't know what it was but something came over me and I remember jumping out of my, my seat and I remember running towards him, rushing him. And I picked him up off the ground and I slammed him up against the wall and I slammed him up against the bed and I just kind of got in his face and I, I walked away and I went back and he, like, he left and I went, I went back to where I was sitting and I remember shaking and I was like, what was that? Like, I didn't, I'd never, ever experienced that like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, I, again, I didn't know where it came from. And then maybe a week later we were playing basketball and same thing. Some guy started saying something and I, I came unglued and I got in a, a, a physical fight and it just kind of snowballed from there where I was bigger. I was working out more. I was trying to be a, a walk on on the football team at the university of Oregon as a kicker. So I was working out, I was eating differently and I was just a lot bulkier. So in my mind, I was like, well, now I can, I, I can't be bullied. I can't be pushed around. So that's kind of where it started. And, like I said, I'd go out, uh, we'd be out at a party and some guy would bump into me by accident and I would get in a fight just because. Yeah, like, just I come just, on like, Yeah. So it was like that for, for a while. And it was after college. Um, I remember I got in a, I got in a fight in Portland 
and it was pretty bad. And I, I, it was, it was at that moment that I realized that if I kept going down this road, that I was either going to end up dead, uh, in jail, um, or really badly hurt. So it was around that time, actually, it was all, it all happened. Um, when I got into horses that everything started changing for me with, with my personality, but I did realize where it was coming from, where all my anger was coming from, that it was coming from what I saw when I was 13, 14 with my stepdad. And I was able to finally forgive what he had done. It was a huge burden off my shoulders when I was able to forgive. I, obviously, I don't for, haven't forgotten it, but I forgave yeah, him yeah. before doing that. Um, and it helped me overcome a lot of those anger issues. And I forgave a lot of other people that had done bad stuff to me in my life. And it was when I got into horse, horses that I realized that I couldn't push these guys around. I couldn't push these 1,200-pound animals around. And me being physical with them wasn't get, getting me anywhere. I, it was just getting, you know, we were just getting in a fight. And yeah, I you're going to get in a fight again. Across. Yeah. So, and I couldn't do it. It was, it's because of horses and I, I owe my life. So when I say that I do things in, 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 in my horsemanship because of the horse, like I genuinely mean it because I feel that they saved me from what could have been a horrible ending. So for me, when I, when I do things for the horse and taking that into consideration, like there's so much behind it and people that know me now, the few people that I've told this story to, they were like, no, what? like, I can't see that. Like, I can't see you being that angry or you know, that temperamental. And I'm like, yeah, it's weird because people know me now. It's so different. Like I, I try to always diffuse any sort of altercation. I, I hate, I hate having any sort of altercation with anybody. And so it's just kind of interesting that whole journey. And the last driving force for me with all that being said, being, you know, getting into the horse world, a lot of people have this stereotype or this perception of what a uh, Hispanic or Latino trainer is like with mm-hmm. their horses. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, being around, I, I'm, I'm fairly light skinned. <laughs> so when I go places and I start maybe talking in Spanish or something, people are like, well, you know, you know, Spanish, like, I'm like, yeah, like I'm Mexican. My, both my parents are Mexican and they're like, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't see that. And so, yeah. um, having, having that where I, I want people to see that, you know, I am 100% Mexican and I was born here in Portland, but my, my roots, my culture, it's, you know, we're, we're Hispanic and Latino. And I, I want to show people that it's not like that. I want to, I want to break that stereotype that, you know, the horsemanship that I do is, 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 is very different than what what the perception or the idea that they have. And that driving force, I don't talk about very much. So this is probably in the last like eight years, eight and a half years that I've been in this into into horses. This is probably the second, maybe third time I've ever talked about it because I, I do I, I I take that to heart again because it is my culture. It is it's it's my family. So in you know it, it's kind of weird uh, when I I talk to people and I've had people in the past where they show up and they're like, oh, I was looking for for Jonas and I was like, oh, that's me. And yeah, oh, right here. You know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got him. So. <laughs> So, you know, those, those, those things to me are, are so big to me when I, when I'm, as, as I'm continuing my, my journey in the horse world. And, um, one, one last thing, as far as me being, continuing to be the same person that I am, I remember about four years ago, I went to go watch Buck Brenham and give a clinic up in Washington. Just so excited to meet him. And they had a break for lunch. 
And he said, oh, I'm going to be in the back if you guys have any questions. So, of course, I was like, this is my opportunity yeah, to meet Make him. a run for it. So, yeah. <laughs> so he he uh, he goes for lunch. And uh, there's probably, I don't know, like six or seven of us that kind of went behind him and were following him. And we we talked to him. And I, I froze. I was like like a little kid meeting, you know, like, you know, like probably like a little girl meeting Justin Bieber for the first time. <laughs> I was just, you know, it was just, I, I was, it, it was funny. So, yeah. um, I, I shook his hand and my, my little brother, who I was talking about earlier, he, he has the biggest heart in the whole world. Him and my mom are so similar They're They're just, you always just want to give them a hug, my brother and my mom. So my brother goes up to, to Buck shakes his hand and brings him in and they just gave each other like this the biggest hug you've ever seen you would have thought they knew each other for That's years funny. i was kind of jealous because i was like man I'm like oh man, I he hugged him. Him. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was funny and i i went up to buck and i was like hey you know i i, I just want to say it was really nice to meet you and i love what you're doing in the horse world and i did tell him i said you know i want to be i want to be where you're at and i'm i'm doing everything possible to try to do what you're doing. Like, that's my, my dream. And he looked at me and he said, I believe it. He said, I, I believe it. Keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, he didn't know me, but he was just really supportive. And yeah, so absolutely. A, a few other people talked to him and then we all walked away and this will always stick with me. We were walking away and the topic of conversation as we we're walking away. Everybody's first thought and, and, and words out of their mouth were, gosh, like he's such a good person. Like he's so humble and then they started talking about his horsemanship. Like, mm-hmm. so for me knowing how great of a horseman he was for people to talk about him as a person first, mm-hmm. it just, it spoke so highly. It parallels him. your mother's uh, hopes for you, you know? Right. Exactly. And that to me, I was like, you know what? That's what I'm striving to be. I want people to be like, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a, he's a good human being. And then, you know, and then he's a good horseman. So, and I think that's where the value and the change comes from because like you see so many people in this industry, they're very, very quick to sell you on their resume, right? Everything mm-hmm. they know and they've done. But when it gets down to brass tacks and we actually have boots in the arena, the holes in your game begin to to be exploited. Yep. And and I have found in my efforts in teaching and working with people and horses as well, is that if you can't relate to these people on some kind of level, it's a lot more difficult to get through to them. And I think it yep. parallels in working with a horse, right? If you can't gain, gain that horse's trust and respect and comfortability and being around you, they're less likely to receive any message you're trying to send. Yeah. You know, so in, in understanding the human being and working on the human being, it's just as important as the method or the idea or the technique or the physical goal that you're trying to, trying to teach, whether it's horse or human, you know, in, in a clinician's yeah. sake. 100%. So, I think there's incredible value in it. And I try to, when I go around and talk to people as well, I mean, you get what you get. I'm going to give you an honest answer, right, wrong, yeah. and different. I'm going to be tactful about it, right? I'm, I'm never exactly. demeaning because you don't know people's backgrounds and stories. Exactly, yeah. You know, and, and I ain't no angel, right? I have a broken background. Yeah. I have plenty of flaws. So who yeah. am I to cast judgment on everybody else? Because exactly. when it comes down to it, they got to they got to answer for it themselves. It's not my job right. to criticize them on it. Right. Not one shape, you know, one way, shape, or form. Yeah. I think it's great stuff, man. I think it's all extremely valuable. And and what I find most compelling about your story and your program is that your change and your motivation and your driving force are things that are ingrained in your character and in your soul. Yeah. So many people, they just want to put a gold buckle around their waist, right? <laughs> or they yep. want to hold up the big check in front of everybody and take pictures. Yeah. Or they want to be the one at the booth signing at, yep. at a show or a convention. And 
that stuff's fun. It's great to yeah. meet people and rub elbows, you know, and, sure. and talk to people and network and all that stuff. But for me, and it sounds like you're a lot along the same lines, mm-hmm. the opportunity to change an individual's life, the opportunity to oh, change yeah. a horse's life, mm-hmm. like to me, that that speaks way more volume and, and that's so much more rewarding than any belt buckle or appearance or headlining act or any of that stuff. Yeah, I... I... I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I, I, I always talk about people deserving a second chance or even a third chance. I just feel like too many people are so quick to just kind of be like, Oh, you did this in your, in your past. Like, Nope. Um, yeah, and exactly. I, me, so, so for me, when I, a lot of these horses that come into my program that have issues, I do see myself in these horses. And that's why I think that's why I'm so drawn to the, the, the cold starting, but also the, the problem horses is because, I feel like I owe it to them because of what they did for me to, to give them that second chance. And, and the same thing with people like I, you know, I'm human obviously. And I, there are times where I do, I do uh, criticize people or I, I do judge people, but then I'm so much better about it now in my life where I realize, like you just said, you don't know people's past. You don't know what they've been through. Exactly. So, you know, so who am I to judge that person? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a lot, e- it's a lot easier for me now to, to really sit back and think about that and, and even really put myself in, in, in people's shoes. And I might not be able to be sympathetic, but I can be empathetic to, Correct. to what, Correct. what they've been through. Which is just um, as powerful. Exactly. And exactly. I think that's a lot where a lot of people, where a lot of people are, are, are what, what, what people are lacking is that em- empathy part, that empathetic part of, of, of being human, um, where, you know, I, I think people could learn a lot from, from the horses where the horses don't care what you've done. They care what you're doing for them at that moment. Correct. If, if you're, if you're true and you're genuine, they can, they can pick up on that. They know that. So, so for me, a lot of how I work with my horses is the same way I am with people you know, my voice is always pretty monotone when I'm giving a clinic or when I'm working with horses and same thing with people. And, you know, with people that are like, you know, I've, I've had trainers before that they've tried to explain something to me, but you know, the way you explain it, it just makes more sense. And to me, you know, I've met trainers where they, they use, you know, a lot of terminology, like when I was starting out that I, I didn't know what they were talking about. And, you know, there are some people that don't know what certain things mean. So when I, break it down for people a certain way where I'm not trying to put myself above anybody where it's like, this is, this is the best way I learn. Yeah. So I'm sure other, yeah. other people will, will learn the same way. So I love that process of, like you said, helping people, uh, with, with their horses, but also helping people with themselves. I think people, I've had moments where people realize something about themselves and then they start crying and they're like, Oh, I didn't, I never knew that. And then then it's something where they, you know, months later, years later, they message me, Hey, you know, I, I still remember that day and things have changed and, you know, I'm so much better about this. So to me, that that's so rewarding. I, I love it. Absolutely love it. It's absolutely incredible. And in my journey, it was the same thing. Like I would say the one attribute that I learned the earliest in my journey, but it just continues to be reinforced time and time again is a, just the grace, right? I think, man, I didn't know nothing about horses and I know a fraction more than what I knew when I started, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the horse was so graceful and patient in me, right? Yeah. I turn around and now I start to reflect it in the horse. And the the farther I get in this journey, especially doing this podcast and talking to guests from, you know, all different avenues of, of horses and horsemanship, 
it's just that, that, I mean, some of the most broken horses teach the greatest lessons and some of the most broken human beings end up being some of the better horsemen or the greater horsemen. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's because they've lived parallel journeys, right? They find grace in each other. Yeah. It's incredible. It really is. So as we get wrapped up towards the end of shows and stuff, I like to give every guest the opportunity to kind of sell themselves. So can you explain to folks after them listening to your journey and your approach and kind of where your program's at right now, where can they find you as far as social media or websites or maybe sponsors that are supporting you, accessible information that people can find on on JR Horse Training? Yeah, you can find me a couple different spots. Uh, You can find me on, on Facebook and it's JR Robles. You can find me on Instagram and it's JR Horse Training. And then you can find me on my website, www.jroblestraining.com. And on any of those three uh, sites, you can find uh, my clinics that are coming up and, or events or any sort of shows that, are, that I'm going to be doing or participating in uh, in the near future. So you can go on those three websites and, and find any information about myself or my program. Um, or even horses that I that I have currently in my program. That's one of the things I like doing when a horse is in my in my training program. Clients love their horses being shown off. So you'll see a lot of the progress horses coming in the first day, and then maybe 30, 60 days later. So you on you know again on on uh, on Instagram and Facebook, you can see what my program's about. So I I do a pretty good job of keeping that updated um, with current media. So, and, and, you know, as far as, as sponsors go, I, uh, I, I, I get goosebumps talking about it. I'm incredibly blessed, beyond blessed to have these following companies, uh, believe in me and in my program. It's, it's made my life so much easier having, having these people on in my corner and, and backing me with, with stuff and even just their support. Um, like I said, the, the biggest one, because they'll, they'll always hold a, a, a really huge spot in my heart is Team Equine, because they were the first ones to to say, hey, you know what? We believe in you. We haven't really done anything yet. Yeah, let's take we, a chance you know, on this guy. Yeah, let's take a chance on him. So to me, Team Equine, you know, I've, I've had them for almost three years now. So Team Equine, they, the, the saddle pads that they make are just beautiful saddle pads and they also do uh sports boots for the horses and then i have uh hubbard chevrolet and they uh they've done a great job with i have i own a obviously a silverado a big a big dually and they do a great job keeping me on the road with all the services they provide for my truck and then i have rockstar custom leather and they do uh, head stalls uh they do uh, chinks shaps they started making saddles recently. So any sort of leather work, they do a great job with it. Uh, Mustang buckles, and they do a great job where they custom make uh, belt buckles uh, with your name or with your logo. So they've, they've been, they've made a few uh, buckles for me that I, I wear when I go to events. I also have the, the most recent um, sponsor is triple crown feed. Um, and they're doing a great job taking care of, uh, I just bought a two and a half year old gelding that I'm going to be showing at the fraternities next year in 2019 at the reigning fraternities next year. Um, so they're doing a great job keeping him on a, on a, a great feeding program along with other horses in my program, uh, DP saddlery. They, um, uh, they're, uh, they're originally, uh, 
uh, English dressage company, and they started branching out to Western tack. And so I'm, I'm, I, th- I think I'm the, the only Western sp- uh, sponsoree in the States for them. Um, so that's a pretty cool thing for me to be able to, to promote that, that line of, of Western saddles. And they've sent me quite a few saddles already. And I, I love them. I love those saddles. Blue Roan Boutique. They're uh, out of Southern Oregon. And they, uh, a lot of clothing, a lot of tack. We're hoping to do a men's clothing line that I would be moving and promoting for them. Let's see. I think those are, I think those, those are. It's quite the list, bud. So I, I'm, I'm being, you know, I'm, I'm being pretty particular about which, which companies I'm, I'm willing to have on board because obviously I want to believe in the product and I want to be able to. I think uh, that should come first product. and foremost, right there. Yeah, I, I want it to be something that. Uh, like I said, where people know when you're genuine and you're not. Yeah, yeah. So, so many so, people just grab those sponsorships just to fill up patch spots on their shirt. Exactly, and I, I, I don't want that. I want exactly. to be able to, to, to promote it, and people be like, "Oh, cool! Like, tell me more about this product," and me, me be able to say, "Hey, yeah, like this is what it is," and I, I believe in it. So, so those are those are my sponsors, and again, I a lot of a lot of what I what I do now is is thanks to them. And I also want to give a big a big shout out to my team. A lot of the, a lot of the people that helped me out. Uh, there's there's Miranda, there's Brittany. Um, I have two new girls, Kayla, and then I have Cheyenne that just joined the team. Uh, and they make everything just so much easier for me because horses are tacked up, horses are groomed. As soon as I show up to the barn, everything is just good it's ready to, go. to roll. Yeah. So to to have a team like that is again it's priceless. And then also my clients, I mean, without the, that's, that's who's paying my bills, you know, without, without my clients and without people signing up for clinics, a big thank you to people that believe in my program and continue to believe in my program. I get choked up talking about it. Cause like I said, to be able to, to, to be where I'm at now, looking back seven and a half years ago, eight, eight and a half years ago. And to be where I'm at now, um, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't for a lot of these people believing in me. So, I was going to say a very prideful um, moment, you know, it's a, yeah, for sure. And comes and from humility. Course, it does. And, 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 you know, I, I, people see me, this is one thing about me that I'll be at a restaurant for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I don't care what it is. I, I'm always giving thanks to the, to the big man above, like without him, none of this is possible. And I, I'm always praying. I'm always giving thanks. So all good. So, Last thing that I like to touch on is any final words. I mean, you talked about the grace that the horse has shown you and kind of kind of turned your tide because you were headed down a little bit of a path of destruction. Is there any life motto or scripture or life lessons that you live by that you would like to pass on to folks? For sure. I uh, if there were you know words that I could give people is don't give up on on any sort of dream. I know it sounds so cliche, but you know if there's something that you're passionate about, don't let anybody or anything stop you. You know, I've had so many people try to knock me down and bring me down. And those are the same people that are now calling me, asking me for help. So for me, if I could tell anybody, give anybody some sort of advice is just don't give up. If you, if you have a dream, keep, keep going with it. And there, there are two quotes, one quote by Buck Brenneman, and it says, uh, gentle in what you do, firm in how you do it. And I believe that's so big, obviously with horses, but with people and just in life in general. I think that, you know, you got to be able to be flexible and and gentle about stuff. And, but at the same time, there's, you have to be able to stand up for yourself and pick your battles and 
so that that to me i even have that tattooed on my arm gentle on what you do from and how you do it and then on my my own quote that i i have on my truck on the side of my truck is dream the ride and then ride the reality i I think people are always kind of lost with with what they want to do in their in their future with for a career and i you know I have so many dreams and goals and aspirations that, you know, you keep, keep those, keep that creativity going, keep those, those aspirations going. And, you know, sooner or later, that's going to become a reality. So to me, that's just big where don't give up on, on what you're, what you're doing and you're going to, you're going to come up on hard times and difficult times and sad times. But um, I think those, those are the moments that you got to, I think, I think that might make the difference between certain people is that, the, the people that have those moments and then they quit and those people that have those moments and they actually learn from and then actually make them a stronger person. So I would, I would, that's what I would say, you know, as far as word of advice for, for anybody wanting to know. Absolutely incredible. Jonathan, I thank you very, very much for your time. It's been an incredible journey over the last hour or so. It's going to be very exciting to see where your program grows from here. I mean, you've seen a ton of success in a very, very short time frame, but we're definitely pulling for you here at Let Freedom Reign and, and we wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And just thank you again for this opportunity to to share my story. Yes, sir. I'm glad uh, you chose to be a part of it. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you. And we'll see you on the next one.